back to the podcast. Today, let's talk Arminianism and Calvinism. You have heard phrases, words, terms like free will, predestination, election, irresistible grace. I say you've heard those words. If you have been a Christian for some time, you've been in the church for some time, you grew up in the church, you've probably heard at least one of those terms or words. You might be familiar with the idea of God's sovereignty and how sovereign is he in salvation and saving people, how how much of the process and the pieces of that puzzle does he control? That's what we're going to talk about. And let me put it in layman's terms in case you've never heard those words. You've never heard those terms. Maybe you're a new Christian. Um, you've just never kind of waded into these waters. We're talking about how does someone go from being a sinner who is not saved to still a sinner in this life who is saved? How does that happen? And what is God's part to play in it? And what is our part to play in it? That is really what... The whole debate between Arminianism and Calvinism, or Arminians and Calvinists, that's what it's really about. So, if you're familiar with terms like predestination, election, total depravity, things like that, you know they're at the heart of this uh, debate. Arminian theology and Calvinist theology have been in debate for a long time about what the Bible says about these things, um, about what God graciously does in our salvation. So we need to get our bearings on why these two theological positions are named what they are, and then we'll we'll get into what they say and, and where they disagree. Arminians derive their name from Jacob Arminius, and Calvinists derive their name from John Calvin to theologians in church history, um, similar to how Lutherans uh, are called Lutherans because of how they follow the theology of Martin Luther. Um, so that's where their names come from. Of course, this doesn't mean that um, Christians holding to either positions only learn from Jacob Arminius or John Calvin. Um, and it doesn't mean that Jacob Arminius and John Calvin only spoke on these topics. Um, but that's where these that's where the names come come from. So pretty simple, pretty underwhelming. Uh, with that being said, Let's get into the first theological position that I want to cover in this series um, on this topic and on these two theological positions. Let's talk about total depravity. Now, throughout this series, I'm going to be using, reviewing, responding to Dr. Roger Olson's book, Arminian Theology. Fantastic book if you want to dive into what Arminians believe um, and how they think about these issues. Um, so I'm going to be interacting a ton, hopefully, with his book, um, letting letting the Arminian position as someone who falls on the Calvinist side of things, I want them to be able to speak for themselves to clearly articulate what they think. I want to get their position right as we as I try to explain where both of these positions are coming from, what they're saying, and how they disagree. And then I'm going to put in here why I fall on the side that I do. Arminians and Calvinists disagree about the state of people walking around today. Okay, let's talk total depravity. Let's talk sin. They disagree about the state of people walking around today. Now, before I highlight the disagreement, it it came as a surprise to me as I dove into the Armenian position here, maybe a surprise to you, that both positions believe in total depravity. Now, by total depravity, I mean that people are born sinful in every aspect of their being, though we are not as bad as we could be. Total depravity means we're sinful in every aspect of our being, our mind, our will, our emotions, but it doesn't mean that we are as bad as we could be. Um... We are born uh, such that uh, absolutely we will not believe in Jesus left to ourselves. Left to ourselves, completely to ourselves, we will not believe in Jesus. 
Okay, Calvinists and, Arme- Calvinists and Arminians believe in this. Quote, this is from Olson's book. Uh, quote, Arminius believes strongly in original sin as inherited corruption that affects every aspect of human nature and personality. So that's total depravity. And renders human persons incapable of anything good apart from supernatural grace. End quote. Due to this depravity, quote, human beings are wholly dependent on God's sustaining and renewing power for anything good, including an exercise of goodwill toward God and acceptance of God's offer of free salvation, end quote. I totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, so where in the world is the disagreement between Calvinists and Arminians? The kicker is that if you, here, here's where the kicker is. The kicker is that if you meet a non-Christian today, Calvinists believe you're talking to someone who is still under the power of, and in total depravity. They've not been freed from it at all. They're totally incapable of believing in Jesus and repenting of their sin. But Arminians believe that if you meet a non-Christian today, you're talking to someone who's been partially healed in some form or fashion, um, partially healed, partially uh, regenerated uh, out of that, that state of being totally incapable of, of repenting and believing in Jesus. They've been healed by the, quote, atoning work of Christ on the cross, end quote. They've been freed from the grip of total depravity um, by what they call prevenient grace, okay? Prevenient grace, you're going to hear again and again in this series, it is central to Arminian theology on these issues. Now, this does not mean that they are saved. Arminians wouldn't say that, that, that people are saved in that state, but they've been partially regenerated, So Olson says thus, quote, because of the work of Christ and the operation of the Holy Spirit universally, no human being actually exists in that natural state. So what he's saying there is that Calvinists would say, when we describe this thing called being totally depraved, we believe that humans humans actually exist in that natural state still today. Arminians would say because of the work of Christ, there's been this universal work of the Holy Spirit to partially regenerate and partially awaken by the power of prevenient grace um, all people. All people have experienced that prevenient grace and they've been put in this new state. Okay. Now, on prevenient grace, Olson says, it is a sheer gift of God through Christ to all humanity. So the state uh, all people are in, Um, by the cross is a state of being able to freely choose whether or not to repent and believe in, and believe in Christ. We'll, we'll dive into exactly what that means in this series. So this means all people on the planet have been partially regenerated according to Arminians, but they stand in need of full regeneration. Okay. That, that word full is a quote from Olson's book on page 36. All people need to be saved by quote, improving God's grace. Olson writes, they need to have, quote, made use of the gift of prevenient grace extended to all. Okay, so the idea here we're trying to build is that Armenian theology says prevenient grace has been universally given to all by the power of the Spirit, by the work of the cross, but something more needs to happen. They need to, quote, make use of it. Um, They need to, quote, improve upon it. Here is where Calvinists sharply disagree when talking about the reality of total depravity. Calvinists believe people are born totally depraved, and God's regenerating work, his work of making dead people alive, is never partial. There is not this intermediate state, if you will, this partial regeneration. He doesn't improve someone's dead state to a partially alive state. Um, 
to use kind of my own language there, his regenerating work makes them alive in faith with faith in Christ. Okay. So couple quick scriptures, Ephesians 2, 1 through 8, I think shows this very clearly. Speaking of Christians, Paul writes of their dead condition. He says this, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is not work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So there is our dead state. This is pre-salvation. We are following the prince of the power of the air in the domain of darkness, as Colossians would say. <clears throat> Excuse me. But then something happens. It says this, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Arminians may here say, they might say here at this verse, at this juncture in the verse, in the passage, that this is the partial regeneration. All people are made alive, right, to the point of being able to choose to believe in Jesus. But this made alive here in Ephesians is not full regeneration, maybe they would say. It's not the full regeneration of becoming a believer and having eternal life. But I want to test that. Like, let's say that maybe that's how this is interpreted. What does the text go on to go on to say about this state of being alive? The text continues, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Okay. So Paul here says that that this alive state, this you were dead and now you're alive, is not someone outside of Christ without faith. It's not in a live state of being someone who, it is in a live state of being someone who is with Christ. They are saved. They are raised up with Christ, the text says. They are seated with Christ. They have been saved through faith. So in Ephesians 2, 1-8, Paul says that you were dead and then by God's grace, you had faith in Jesus. You once were dead and then you had faith in Jesus. The key to see here is there's no partial state in between. There's no partial state of regeneration where someone is somewhat alive but still doesn't have faith in Christ. They're still not saved. They're still not seated with Christ. They don't have eternal future with Christ. There isn't that partial state. There is dead, and then there is alive in faith. Now, Titus 3, 3-7 three through seven is very helpful here as well. Paul writes, very similarly about our past and present as Christians. He says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Again, there's our state of being dead. This is pre-salvation. And then something happens. He goes on. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Okay, notice again that this state of regeneration in Titus is one of being saved, justified, an heir, and having eternal life. This is not a partial awakening where someone still stands unjustified. They're not saved, they're not an heir, they don't have eternal life yet. These Christians were once foolish, or as Ephesians 2 says, dead. And then all of a sudden, God shows up, and they are justified through faith 
in Christ. They are people who believe in Jesus. So, based on texts like these throughout the Bible, I cannot agree with Arminians about the intermediate state of being under provenient grace in a place in which God is letting us choose freely whether or not to believe in Christ. In other words, on the topic specifically, because what that what I just said we're going to get into in more detail, on the topic of total depravity, I believe that there are two states that people are in. One is either totally depraved, totally incapable in themselves of doing good, purely good, um, believing in Jesus, repenting of their sin. There's that state, being totally depraved. And then there's the state of being made alive in faith in Christ. Um, where I disagree with Arminian theology here is that there's that third state, or it's really not a third state because for them, there, there is no actual, there is total depravity, but everyone universally has been worked on by provenient grace. And so the two states are different. There's someone who believes in Jesus and they're just justified. I believe that there is that state that people can be in, obviously. Um, but I disagree with how they describe the other state, that you're you're in this partially alive, partially awakened, partially uh, regenerated state. So um, I don't agree with Armenians or Armenian theology here about being under prevenient grace. Um, I believe all p- people are born dead in sin and remain so until they are made alive by the power of the gospel. Um, I don't see in scripture another work of grace, this thing called prevenient grace that stops short of awakening someone to faith in Christ. I don't see that work where God works in someone's life but stops short of of bringing them to faith in Christ, leaving that choice in in their hands in some form or fashion. Uh, I believe an individual is either dead in sin or is alive with Christ, as the scriptures say, saved, raised up with Christ, seated with him in the heavenly places, saved through faith, justified. These are all terms and phrases from Ephesians, from Titus. Um, someone is either dead or they, they're in that other state, saved, raised up, seated with Christ, justified, saved through faith. And it's all by grace alone because of Christ alone. Now, as you might have already noticed, this starts to beg the question, where does faith come from? It sounds like Calvinists are saying God makes the choice for us to believe, while Arminians maybe are saying we're involved in the choice to believe in some form or fashion. Interestingly, both Arminians and Calvinists say that faith is a gift of God. That might surprise you too, depending on where you land on these issues. We actually agree in one sense that faith is a gift of God. It is something God gives out. We These two positions totally agree. But it seems we mean very different things. And so that is up next in this series. Guys, I hope this is helpful. Thanks for listening. Until next time.